Well, we are uh, into December, believe it or not, one more month of 2018, and it's a wrap. So, uh, December time, Christmas time, here we are. I don't know if you're ready for it, ready or not, here we come. It's Christmas. In my neighborhood, it's Christmas before Thanksgiving. My neighbor's doing it up. I don't know if you saw him yesterday, some of you guys came over. Uh, they got everything. They got Santa Claus in the helicopter landing on the roof. They got everything you ever want for Christmas decorations. But um, we're, we're entering a new uh, series this morning that's going to carry us through December. And uh, because of Christmas holiday, people think of all sorts of things. There are all millions of different things associated with Christmas these days. If you're in the sales department, it's associated with increased sales. All right, we're going to sell more stuff. We're gonna, our revenue is going to come in. We're going to make more money. Work uh, retail, it's a busy time. Um, if you are a kid, you might be thinking of presents, or if you're an adult, you might be thinking of presents. If you're a kid, you might want to go sit in Santa's lap, or you might cry when you sit in Santa's lap, as some of my kids did. Um, if you're maybe you're like Cecilia, you're thinking about baking cookies, which she does a really good job at um, all the time. Even if it's not Christmas, she'll bake cookies, and uh, she's turning me into the dad bod uh, sort of situation. <laughs> Um, you might have family gatherings coming up where you get together with family, maybe loved ones, friends, maybe you have holiday Christmas party, work Christmas parties that you go to that you got to endure. Maybe they're fun. I don't know. Um, you have uh, the Hallmark Christmas movie special. Some of you maybe do a, a movie marathon on the Hallmark channel. Uh, maybe that's just my wife, but she loves to watch all the Hallmark Christmas movies that are all really the same plot, um, but they just have different characters and different settings, but same plot. Um, maybe you want to drink some hot cocoa, sing some Christmas carols. Maybe you're ready to put up your tree, your decorations. Um, maybe you're like Isaiah, you're going to get a tree just so your mom will be happy. Um, you've got to do what you've got to do. Uh, but Christmas, and all these things, we've got to remember Christmas is about who? Jesus. About Jesus, right? It's about Jesus. And, uh, but what exactly about Jesus? I mean, when we think about Easter, we, it's about Jesus. And, but you know, we've got the Easter bunny, we've got eggs and all sorts of stuff and auxiliary things. Um, but at Christmas, this is about Jesus. Easter is about when we celebrate the death that Jesus had on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Um, when Jesus took our sin and wore it on the cross for us and gave us salvation. And we remember that at Easter. But at Christmas, we celebrate what's called the incarnation. The incarnation. Now, if you are Spanish, you'll order carne asadas, right? So you know carne is an incarnation. So this is... What does incarnation mean? It means flesh, that God became flesh. God became meat, right? That's what it, literally what it means. That God took on flesh, and he made his dwelling with us. Um, he came to earth to be with us, his creation, and to be like us. This series that we're entering in uh, is titled God With Us. And it comes from one of the main scriptures that we'll read during the Christmas season. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's on your notes if you're taking notes today. Um, it's Matthew 1, 23. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. This is what Christmas is all about, that God would be with us. Um, there's uh, several monotheistic religions in the world today, and you've talked to some people, maybe people you work with. They would say, you know, all, all religions are kind of the same. All religions believe the same thing. And especially the ones that say, you know, like Jews and Christians and Muslims, they're all the same. 
But the truth is they're not all the same, and there's some very distinct differences, and one in particular I want to point out. There's two powerful truths about God's nature that we, we talk about in Christianity. One is the transcendence of God. If you take a note, that T is transcendence, and have fun spelling that. If you're not I was just about chant. to ask you, could you spell that? I can't spell that without spell check. Um, <laughs> transcendence with a C, and have fun. Um, so transcendence, that means that God's great. He's above all things. That God is powerful, mighty, he's holy. He is other than us. Other, other religions, such as Islam, such as Judaism, talk about the transcendence of God. That God is great, right? If you, if you ever met a Muslim, God is great. That's their greeting, right? Um, and this is true. Christianity believes in the transcendence of God. That God is great. He's mighty. He's holy. He's the creator. And we are creation. He is other than us. But Christianity also holds up this idea of the imminence of God. Imminence of God. That's the other blank. The imminence means that God is with us. He is present with us even in the ordinary and the mundane. Look at the Christmas story. Jesus doesn't come as a transcendent king above everybody else into a palace. He doesn't come and, you know, and, and show up in royal robes and all these sort of things. He shows up in a lowly, lowly stable, in, in a cave or whatever you want. I mean, traditionally a stable, probably was a cave. Uh, but he shows up with the lowliest people. The shepherds come. They're the first people to greet uh, this new king. And he comes to be with us in the midst of our lives, which are sometimes pretty low and sometimes pretty ordinary, sometimes pretty average, and sometimes just kind of boring. And sometimes you're wondering what we're doing and where we're going. And in the midst of all of that, that's where God comes to be with us. That's the story of Christmas. That's what we remember every year. And we can remember that every day, but especially in this season, that God wants to be with us even in the, the mundane things of our lives. God is present with us. Um, as we go through this, our, our sermon title today is God with us in the valley. Um, you know, sometimes we believe that God is with us when things are going great, when we're doing well, when we got the raise, we got the... You know, the Christmas bonus is good this year. Man, God is good. He blessed me. Um, when, you know, you pull in to go shopping and you got that front parking space, you know, you're right where you want to be. Don't have to walk as far. God is good. You know, he got me the space I needed. Um, you know, we, we, it's easy to think we get good news. You know, maybe you're a new mom. Remember when you had your young child and some parents here, the baby sleeps through the night. Ah, oh, God is good, you know, but... When we don't have these times, when things are opposite of that, when the baby doesn't sleep tonight, when we got to park at the back parking lot of the mall and walk through the rain, when uh, the news is not what we want to hear, when we hear somebody is sick and dealing with cancer and all these sort of things, sometimes we wonder, where is God? Is God really with us in these moments? That's generally what uh, people think. And I want to point out a story, and I listed a scripture here. And today I'm going to list several scriptures. I'm going to try to do... And I don't want to sound critical, but I'm going to try to do a better job than the pastor I listened to last Sunday um, with sharing a million scriptures and not leading you astray in the process. So I was probably the most Bible verse I've ever heard in one sermon in my life last Sunday when I was at church. It was like pretty much the whole Bible. And uh, we were like, that's good. That's the Bible. I just don't know what you're talking about. But um, anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with some scriptures. We're going to look at this one. This is in 1 Kings 20. 28. This is an Old Testament uh, example of people thinking that God is a God of mountaintops. Just think about this, that God, he is the one that will bring victory when things are great. 
God is a God of mountaintops, but this, these foreign uh, armies there fighting the army of Aram, uh, well, let's read this. They, they, they believe God was, is good on the mountaintops, but he can't help you in the valley. It says, the man of God came up and told the king, this is what the Lord says, because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys. I will deliver this vast army into your hands, and you will know that I am the Lord. The Arameans are like many of us. They believe that God is a God of the mountaintops. When things are going great, there's God. But he's not a God of the valleys. We can get situations where God disappears. That's, that's literally what they think. If we can get them over here in this situation, God won't be there with them. If we can get you in a low moment, we can get you stressed out. If we can get you too busy, we can get all the gosh, God, God disappears. And then we, we've got we got the victory. That's what the enemy wants to do in us, in our lives, is to fool us into thinking when we're going through hard times that God's not there with us. And that we lose those battles because we think God isn't, isn't there. But the truth is God is always with us um, no matter what we face. God in his great love chooses to be with us and to be near us no matter whether on the mountaintop or whether we're on the valley. It may be difficult sometimes to sense his presence when we're in the valley. Um, if things aren't going the way we want, we're hurting, we have bad news. When we feel alone, we're worried, afraid, maybe we're battling depression. Maybe it's, it's difficult to sense his presence, but he is always there. I want to talk today about the God of the valleys. Um, What's interesting is sometimes often our lives um, can be going so well in a lot of areas. We can have a lot of mountaintops um, in a lot of areas of our life. Um, I, I think about just what happened. You guys know that when Penny passed away this past week, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, our lives, you know, my life is going pretty well. I mean, um, but there's a way when we experience a valley in our life that it can cloud all the mountaintops and all the mountaintops seem to just disappear and all we see is the valley. Um, you know, it was Thanksgiving, right around that time, and, you know, we got family coming in, all these sort of things. But it was kind of a cloud in our hearts of, you know, just that sense of loss of, of a loved one. And that's what even just one valley can do to all the other mountaintops in your life. Maybe, you know, things are going great here, great there. You know, hard to complain about this, but that one valley you're facing can be all-encompassing all sometimes, even in the midst of other good things. Um, imagine some of us would be here right now. You're, you're not alone. You're with me in this, that... There's some, some great things going on in your life, some good seasons and good pockets of your life. But um, you, you, you look at your, maybe your marriage is going well, you know, you're, that's great. But at the same time, you've been through that where things are really great, but maybe your kids are making bad decisions. And so you, you kind of cloud some things or you, you feel really close to God um, and, and you sense his presence. But uh, maybe you're losing your job. You're like, man, I got to find another job. I don't know what's going on. And that can be all encompassing. What am I going to do about my job? What am I going to do about my job? And it all, all becomes consuming in our life. Um, we're really excited about the holiday, but um, you know, you, you get bad news medically, just like praying for Miss Joyce, and it can just be all encompassing, and all, on, and it can cloud our vision. And so there can be so many good things going on in our lives, but maybe one or two things can really take us down into the valley. So I want to talk about where is God in those valleys. Um, and, and like I said, there's a common misconception that God is not in the valleys. That God is only on the mountaintops, but the truth is he's with us all the time. And here, here's something I want you to take notes um, right here. It says, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops. When things are going well, God's blessed us. You know, we paid off our car, we paid off this, things are going great, money's coming in, all these sort of things we look to. But the truth is we get to know God intimately in the valleys. That's where he reveals himself to us in a deeper, deeper way. Amen. And so 
Let's look at a couple things this morning. The valley is a place of, of, of a few different things. I, and this is not everything, but I, I just want to point this out. A couple things this morning. The valley is a place of trial and testing. The valley is a place of trial and testing. Often this is what the valleys represent in our lives when we're being tested. We're, being, uh, we're going through a trial, a difficult time. Um, there's a valley. I'm going to list a few of these in, uh, that come in the scripture. The valley of suffering. What? The valley of suffering. Suffering. Number one there. And this, uh, you know, one valley in the Bible is called the valley of Achor. The valley of Achor. A-C-H-O-R. You find this first in Joshua chapter 7. The valley of Achor is actually, uh, I, I, looks like it's named after Achan. This is the story of Achan. And this is where Achan, if you remember the story of Achan and Joshua, he steals from Jericho and plunder and God says specifically don't do this and he says I don't care I'm going to do what I want to do and in all this he brings about great suffering and, and pain on himself and his family because of his own disobedience and sin it's a valley of suffering and he goes and he is destroyed in this valley and um, he's punished for his disobedience sometimes we bring up suffering on ourselves because of our own sin because of our own disobedience because of our own uh, uh, desire to do what we want to do instead of what God told us to do. Um, that, that can happen, but sometimes suffering comes not because of sin, and not because of what we did, but it just becomes because of life, and because we live in a broken world, and we live in a fallen world, and, and sometimes suffering comes to us um, just because that's part of being a human being, is that we all are, are given suffering, and sometimes God will even let us suffer because Jesus suffered, and through suffering we can know him more. It may be sickness, maybe it's a relational issue you're, you're going through right now, or uh, something is uh, financial trouble could be. But the good news is that your valley of suffering can be a door of hope. It can be a door of hope. In Hosea chapter 2, Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 and 16, um, if you're familiar with the book of Hosea, it's about uh, a metaphor about the prophet um, Hosea who marries a prostitute. And this is a metaphor of God and his relationship with Israel. And that God loves this wayward, wayward spouse. And he loves this spouse back into relationship. And in chapter 2 talks about um, how God will allure us and take us into the valley. And take us through these difficult times and speak to us tenderly in the valley. And this is what it says in, in, in verse 14. But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards and transform the valley of trouble or the valley of Achor, the exact same place here, into the gateway of hope. She will give herself there to me as she did long ago when she was young, and I, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. In these, val in these valleys of suffering and difficulty, these valleys of trouble, God will allure us into a place where we will know him better if we allow him. God will speak to us tenderly. God will work on our hearts and our lives if we allow him to do that. This valley of Achor, which means valley of trouble, it, it turned into a doorway to hope. And through our trouble, that's where God can bring hope into our lives if we get our eyes onto him. So the truth is, in your, in your trial and your suffering, God is with you, and we will get to know him in, in a very new way if we open our eyes to what he wants to do. Number two, there's a valley of detours. Valley of detours. Um, when we were coming back from Virginia, we took several detours trying to find a faster way to get home. I don't know that our detours helped anything, but we were on I-95 up in Northern Virginia, leaving, trying to get home, Sunday evening at 5.30 when we left. 
And we got off of 95. It's on the Google Maps, it said it was red, right? You ever do that? Look at the red, like, well, red is bad. We got off onto one, US one. Okay, this runs parallel to 95. Let's get off of one. We got on one. Oh, there's some more red. Let's get off of this. We got on some other side road. And then at some point, we were driving through a neighborhood like people's mailboxes and just how, like, what are we doing? We're on a detour here trying to get to where we want to be, and I don't even know where we're going at this point. And thankfully, we are returned here, but it took us forever. And sometimes in life, we get on these detours. We come, Maybe it's, I don't like how this is going. I don't like the traffic in front of me. I don't like what, how life is. I'm going to try this road over here. Um, or, or maybe we, we see something that just appears to be a better way. We get on a detour. Um, and, and, and there's many people in the Bible we could look at, but one of the valleys... You could write this in as the Valley of Sorek, S-O-R-E-K, the Valley of Sorek. This is Judges 16. Um, Samson is the character in this story. And, I, and all these scriptures, if you look them up and read them, you can maybe be a little more enriched with what's going on than I can share this morning. But Samson got on a little bit of a detour in his life. God called him to be a leader. God called him to, to lead Israel, be a judge. And Samson, having the strength of, uh, of no human that we know, he was so strong, he, he, he was weak in a lot of areas of his life. And he got on this detour in the Valley of Sork, which is where Delilah lived. In the Valley of Sork, this is a place of detour. He got off track with God's calling on his life. And he started chasing after things he didn't need to chase after. He started going down roads he didn't need to go. And he got into a place where he was, uh, again, into some suffering and pain because he detoured um, on his own desires, on his own heart, what he wanted to do. And, and he got off track. Um, Sometimes our detours are of our own making, just like the suffering in our life. Sometimes we, we think, well, let me try this out. Let me see this out. Let me go here. Let me go there. And, and we get off track with what God wants us to do. And other times, detours are just part of how God leads us. We, it looks like a detour when we look back, but, oh, I see what God was doing. And so in the midst of these detours, God is still there. Maybe you're going through a detour right now. You feel this uncertainty or confusion. Maybe it's in a job, like what, what job should I take or what career path should I go on? Maybe it's a relationship. Should I take the next step? Should I pop the question? Should I buy this ring or that ring or whatever it may be? Um, sorry, girl. Um, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's schooling. Like, you know, I got to go to school. Cecilia's got to get all this stuff from colleges into our mailbox now. And she's got to make, man, what am I going to do? Should I go here? Should I go there? These decisions make. It's about our future. There's so many different paths we could go on, and we wonder, where is God in our detours? When we go down a path, and we look back, like, what am I doing here? What's going on here? Is God with us? And he is. He is with us in our detours. Number three here is the valley of despair. The valley of despair. When, this is when we go through fear, and we struggle with our faith. Who's ever been in the valley of despair in your life, where you've had some fears going on, and wonder, man, what's going on with my faith? Um, this would be the Valley of Elah, E-L-A-H, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, Saul and, the, Phil, Saul and the, the armies of Israel are encamped in the Valley of Elah. And across from them in the valley is Goliath and the armies of the Philistines. And in this valley was a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of wondering what are we going to do. I don't know about you, but I've been there before in those valleys of uncertainty. I'm just wondering, man, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to take the next step. Here's this obstacle in front of me, this giant in front of me. I don't know if I can go forward. And then comes David. We know the story. Most of you know the story of David and Goliath. Um, David comes in, and he has no fear. And he has no uncertainty about what should happen because he sees clearly that God is with me. 
and I can overcome this obstacle. See, God was already there, but David was the only one to realize God's with me. And if God's with me, I can overcome this giant. If God's with me, then he's going to lead me to victory. And so David comes, and he attacks, and we know that he takes Goliath down and, and, and so on, and wins the battle. So we all have issues of fear and faith and giants facing us. And we can despair in the face of those things, those obstacles that are in our way. Or we can put our trust in God just like David, and we can look at the fact that God is with us in this situation. No matter how great it is, just because we're in this valley doesn't mean that God's not with us. And he's going to lead us on to victory. So the good news is God is with us. There's victory in this valley if we trust him. I put in here valley of correction. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't get enough uh, study on this one. But I, I could have had a couple more in there. But we'll just move on. But there's a valley of correction that God will lead us to as well. And I'll just say that sometimes God leads us through times where we're at a low point. But God's really trying to work on us. He's trying to fix us. And it's a valley of wonder. Man, I want to get out of this place. I want to get, move on. And really, God is trying to do something in us to make us uh, ready for the next mountain, ready for the next challenge, ready for the next thing he has for us. And, um, and that's the valley of correction. So let, let's, let's look at the second point here. And so valleys are, are places of trial and, and um, testing. And they're also places of victory and growth. They're also places of victory and growth. There's the valley of Baraka. B-E-R-A-K-A-H, the Valley of Baraka. The Bible talks about this in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 24, and I'm going to turn there. This is a cool one if you want to read this one this week and kind of expound on it in your own study. 2 Chronicles 20, um, verses 24 specifically. It says this, 20 verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert. Oh, that's not it. Let's get it right. I have it written here, but that doesn't match up. So we want to get it right. Ah. Nope, verse 26. 26. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the valley of Baraka to this day. All right, here's the story. you got to read this, and I don't have time to go into the whole thing. But Jehoshaphat is the king. They're facing Moab and Ammon. They're facing this army. And the, and the idea in this story is that what are we going to do? Again, another battle in the Old Testament. A lot of the Old Testament is battles. A lot of this uh, situations that they're facing that are greater than themselves. And, and the idea was, you know, the prophet comes and says, what you need to do to get through this one is to praise God. If you will just praise if you'll just praise, he'll give you the victory. I don't need you to fight. I don't need you to combat. I need you to praise. They're going to be disappointed. So it's okay. They're going to drop it off. No, they won't. They'll, they'll, just, they'll be fine. Yeah, they will. They'll be disappointed. Um, so the prophet comes and says you need to praise, and that's, that's the victory. I know for me, uh, there's been valleys. I remember my dad passed away. Um, there was a point, a very specific point. In my life where God told me, if you want to push through this and the sorrow and the difference, you need to praise me. Because I had gotten to a point where I didn't want to, I didn't want to pray, I didn't want to worship, I didn't want to do any of that stuff because I was just mad. And there was a time I was in church, it was probably about three or four months past that time, where I was just standing there like this, worship going on, and I felt really pressed upon my heart that God said, if you'll just lift your hands and praise me, you'll 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 get through this. 
and that's what I did. I just started to praise God. And God gave me such a release of that burden. He gave me such peace in my heart that that was lifted immediately. And there's times in our lives where God will say, just praise me. I know you don't want to. I know you feel like you're low. I know you feel like you're down and you're angry and all these things going on. But if you'll just lift up your praise to me, I'll get you through this. I'll give you the strength to go on. And that's what God will do. There's valleys where we praise, and that's where the victory is. That's where our growth is when we begin to praise God, even in the midst of the difficulty, even in the midst of the pain that we're in. Um, there's a valley um, called the Valley of Jezreel. Number two there, the Valley of Jezreel. And if you try to type this, the spell check keeps on making it Jezebel. So spell check likes to call this the valley because that's what it continued to do in my notes here. But it's really the Valley of Jezreel. And so this is in Judges 6. This is a valley of victory. This is similar to the valley of praise where Gideon has the army. And he's facing the Midianites. Gideon is, is one of the judges. He's facing the Midianites. If you know the story of Gideon, you may or may not. Look it up. It's a great story. Um, in Judges chapter 6, he whittles, God whittles the army down to 300 people. He whittles the army down from all these thousands of people down to just a few people. Because he wanted to show that, you know, I am the victory. I am the victory. And he tells them, all you need to do is shout. When, when I give you the signal, shout. And, and I will give you the victory. And the, the army shouts. They surround the camp and they shout. And God gives them the victory. <laughs> That's good. That's a good moment in his life. He's probably like, what? All right. Dump it. Dump it. Yeah. I'm done it. Uh, all right, so, so number three, the Valley of Baca. This is our last one, and we'll wrap it up this morning. Baca, B-A-K-A. This is in Psalm 84. And if you want to turn there, if you have your Bible, you can turn there and read along with me. Psalm 84, and I have it right below there as well. Valley of Baca. This is a valley of growth. says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The valley of Baca, the word Baca means weeping, means sorrow. It, it comes from a, they believe it comes from a tree that had sap that would leak out of the tree and it looked like it was crying. So in this valley was a place they, they would call the, the valley of weeping, the valley of sorrow. But the psalmist here is saying, blessed are those whose strength is in you. This is so important that we realize that in, in our valleys that our strength is not in ourself. Our strength is in the Lord. I don't know if you ever lifted weights back in the day. I used to lift weights. I lift some weights, a little bench press. Uh, when you do bench press, what do you have if you're smart? What do you have behind you? Who's, what's the guy doing this? Spotter. spotter, right? And the spotter is going to help you when your strength fails. Because in a life, our strength fails. And, and, and we we're get on there, we put on what we think we can do, and we push and we push. And at some point, our strength fails. At some point, we run out. I remember lifting in high school. I took weight training in my senior year. And we would do things called negatives. Negatives are where you put more weight on than you're able to do. But guess what? You can do it because you have a spotter. And the spotter just taps it up. Taps it up. And I remember as a spotter, hey, you got this. You can do it. You can do it. You, you know, and truly, you can't do it. You can't do a negative because it's more weight than you can actually. That's the whole point of it. 
But you can do it because the spotter is lifting that weight. And that's what God's, he is in our lives spotting us every day, even if we don't see it. Lifting that weight. we got to just turn our eyes to him. He will lift the bar. And there may be more weight on your shoulders right now than you think you can bear. But guess what? God's the best spotter there ever is. He's the best spotter you'll ever have. And he will lift the weight so that you can make it. And maybe all you're doing is absolutely nothing. I remember times you do like burnouts with, with just the 45 bar. You're just going like this. And pretty much it looks silly because you're lifting hardly anything at all. And, and, and they're spotting up the bar, you know. But even if you're, you know, you feel like you've got no strength left, God will lift you. And he will give you the strength. Even if you can't even lift your own arms, God will give you the strength. But we lift up our hands in praise. We just lift them up and say, God, give me the strength to make it through this valley. God will make it a place of springs. It says here that they make it a place of springs and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. You know, we can, we can be dry in our lives. We can be going through times of dryness. But we sometimes need to just remember if we, if we dig a place a container for the, the rain that will come, it'll be able to stay. We'll make a pool. You're not going to have a pool if you don't dig anything. And at the times we spend with the Lord, even when we feel dry, the times that we wake up in the morning, maybe we just say, I'm going to spend this 10 minutes and just pray. I'm just going to quiet myself and just listen. I'm just going to read my word. And even though I'm not feeling like I'm getting anything from it, we're digging a, a ditch that we're letting God fill at some point. He may not fill it today. He may not fill it tomorrow, but we're opening up space where God can fill with the spirit in our lives. It's so important to remember that when we're going through a valley that we don't just stop digging and stop trying, but we continue to dig those places so when the rains come, they can fill it up. And we go, it says they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It means that the little strength you have, God will add strength to that. You may feel like you have hardly any strength at all today as you're going through the valley in your life, but God is going to give you strength to make it through to tomorrow. And he'll give you the strength to make it through the next day. And you'll go from strength to strength as you trust him and as you put your eyes on him. See, we make joy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately on the valleys. The Bible says, Hebrews 13, 5, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is with us. God is with us. He's with us in the valleys. Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, 20, Surely I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And as we wrap this up, this morning, let's read this final psalm. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with us no matter what we face, no matter where we are. He's not just a God of the mountaintops. He's a God of the valleys. And so we need to remember that this morning as we're facing different things. Even as different, the things in our lives, many of them are going well. Those valleys that we're facing, they can cloud out our vision. God is with us and he will lead us through. And he will bring us to a place of victory and a place of growth. If we lift our hands and praise him. Let's bow our heads this morning. say this final prayer together. I just want to remember anybody that's going through a difficult time, going through a valley. If you can just lift your hand, say, you know, Pastor, I'm going through a valley right now. So many different aspects of that. I want to remember you in prayer. Let's continue to remember Joyce. I can just sense in our voice just the feeling overwhelmed by the news, and we want to remember her in prayer. Lift her up. 
in prayer and, and encouraging words to just be in there with her as we can. Let's just take a moment to quiet ourselves and remember that God is with us. In the low moments, in the valleys, God is with us. And he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has somewhere he's leading us. And often the valleys are the places between the mountaintops. God's leading us to another place, another mountain. We have to go through the valley to get there. lift up our, our church family today and those that lifted their hands. God, I pray that you would in some way show us your presence. God, for, you know, it's so easy to get our eyes on our situation and our eyes on what we're going through and eyes on the things of the world and, and how they're affecting us. And, and Lord, I pray that in the midst of all that, you will show us once again that you're with us. That your strength is available to us. Lord, I pray that we would dig, we would dig some, some, some wells in our lives, we would dig places where we would be able to be filled by the springs and the rains that you would fill us with, God. Lord, I pray that you would, right now for those that are struggling from his joys, for others, Lord, we just lift them up and God, I pray that you would minister by your Holy Spirit. God, as we go through this week, I pray, Lord, that we would carve out some time to spend with you, that you would refresh us, we would go from strength to strength, we would make it each and every day with the strength you'll provide. God, help us not to get so busy that we try to do everything in our own power, but remember that you are there to spot us, to lift us up when we have no strength. So we turn our eyes to you, God, we turn our hearts to you, we lift our hands in praise to you, knowing that you will be our victory. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.